You're listening to KOOP Hornsby Austin 91.7 FM and on the web at koop.org. Welcome to Issues for Your Tissues, the definitive discourse on reproductive health and well-being with your host, Katie Vitale. The views and opinions expressed on Issues for Your Tissues may not necessarily reflect those of Co-op, its board of directors, or anyone else anywhere else. The information offered is not a substitute for the advice of a licensed medical professional, which I am not. Thanks for tuning in to Issues for Your Tissues. I love you all uh, because you are part of our community here at Co-op Radio and you're listening to Issues for Your Tissues, so you're apparently the coolest people on the face of the planet. And if you're not officially a member of Co-op Radio, you can you can make it official uh, starting tomorrow uh, during our membership drive. So I'm so pleased that we've managed to condense it down. We're, we're just condensing it and you don't have to add water or milk or anything it's it's not 17 days anymore. It's just 10 days of membership drive. And if everybody gives a lot, it could be fewer than that. So this is all because of the work and the gifts and the love from everyone out there. You could be listening at 91.7 FM in the Austin area or koop.org if you're on the webs uh, anywhere in the world, even in Austin. You could be at koophd one hd 3 hornsby or you might be at Radio Free America, in which case 
I'm kind of sorry that you might have missed the membership drive already. Um, or you could be on the podcast, in which case uh, you may or may not have also missed the membership drive. But you can always give to co-op if you go to koop.org. It is so important that if you care about independent media, if you care about the alternative to alternative facts, which I call real facts, right? Kind of uh, weird that we have to qualify that as real facts. <laughs> Hold on. No, it's okay. Give it to me, Jenny. Anti-anti-facts. That's right. See the double negative? That's that's the only proper use of the double negative right there. So uh, you can become a member by going to koop.org. But if you are or if you are feeling the love for Issues for Your Tissues, I would suggest that in addition to giving tomorrow at the start of the drive, that you give during next week's show, which is going to be next Thursday, 6 to 7. You know when it is because you're tuning in now. It's the same time next week. You can do it. I know. You're smart. You're good looking. You can make this happen. If you give during that time, special gifts, special love from yours truly. And uh, this is in addition to all of the special thank you gifts that co-op is going to do for you on our 25th anniversary. Uh, it's a big silver anniversary blowout and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm coming up with something. And if you have suggestions for what I can do in the past, I've given away condoms, tampons, tacos. Uh, and you know what? We don't, we don't need to be limited to, uh, these things. We can make it an experiential thing. So you could come co-host with me. You could give a topic that you want me to talk about. You could request a number of times for me to say vagina live on air. You could, what, whatever you can think of that is legal, I will consider. And uh, it's only because this is a community. It's a two-way street. It's not just us talking at you. It's us having a conversation, all of us. So you can keep the conversation going and let me know what you think you're worth or what you think you you can get in addition to all the great broadcasting that co-op has to offer um and the address is katie at co-op.org or you can go onto the facebook's and find issues for your tissues there or twitter or uh the blog or where wherever you like to go on the internet you can find a way to find issues for your tissues while you're there you can you can check out the organization that my guests today are from. Uh, Jenny and Lacey of Immunize Texas are here to share share the word with us tonight about immunizations, vaccinations, uh, about public health and the importance of public health moving forward, especially as our our area grows or Texas population grows, but especially Central Texas grows. Even if it wasn't growing, this would be important. So I wanted to say thank you and welcome to Jenny and Lacey. And if you want more information about Immunize Texas in the interim, you can go visit them at the Facebook or, you know, they have, they're all over the internets and they're, they're ready to answer your questions because this is important to them and it's important to me. And this is an, another issue for your tissues, for your, all your bodily tissues. I'm covering all of them. This is all the systems is a systemic tissues thing today. And this is a systemic issue that we have with vaccine exemptions. And this is a epidemiological issue with, uh, on a global <laughs> basis or global status. Uh, the World Health Organization has recently 
named vaccine exemptions as one of the top threats to global health this year. And it's amazing to me that in the face of all the science and all the information and all of the everything that we do and that you do, the people are still on the fence feeling weird about vaccinations. Like, I can't begin to restrain myself from slapping. So, Jenny, thank you so much. And Lacey, thank you so much for being here. Let me just ask, I know that all the listeners have been here since the beginning, but for perhaps the brand new person, can you tell us, Jenny, how you got started with Immunize Texas? For sure. Um, I started out because I became a mom. I was in a lot of parenting groups, and I think back in 2012, there was this attitude that you should not judge people who don't vaccinate. Um, And I did not, it didn't sit well with me. So I got very active on my own social media posting about it. And through that, hooked up with some other people who were doing a lot of great vaccination work and started Immunize Texas at the end of 2015. So we are uh, the only statewide grassroots pro-vaccine community group um, just fighting for the rights of children to be healthy, the rights of communities to be healthy, just doing what we can to make sure that um, this anti-science craziness doesn't get worse. Right. Uh, there, there seems to be no end to it. Uh, and Lacey, can you tell us how you got on board with Immunize Texas? I know it's been a few years, right? Uh, yes. And very much the same story as Jenny, um, being involved in parenting discussion or online discussions in parenting groups and seeing the attitudes and the way this issue was discussed and dealt with. And then I connected with Jenny and the rest is history. Well, history or not, uh, I feel that this is um, an organization for all times, right? This is vaccinations. If people were to read, they're all like, do the research. Like they've been listening to too much InfoWars. Do your own research. They can, they can look back and see that vaccines were one of the top 10 things leading to the extension of longevity uh, by, this is again, by global health organizations. So in the last century, these things have added decades to people's lives. And it's, it's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, about the scope, so you've you've kind of made it very sound, very daunting and very uh, overwhelming to me. I can't believe that just a handful of people are responsible for the public health of the state of Texas or for advocating for it. And well, I'm, well, not all of it, sure. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but really, vaccinations are, wouldn't you say, um, it, it's a public health issue. So even though we are, are immunized, Texas is is advocating for. Uh, specific groups who are lacking certain vaccinations that it's really it's helping everyone in Texas and beyond right this is definitely an issue that affects everybody whether they admit it or not Uh, the fact that we have a longer lifespan the fact that we don't have um, children dying of measles left and right it's because of vaccinations and I truly believe vaccinations are one of the biggest medical inventions of our human race Um, And that's partly why it's so shocking that there are people out there who are choosing to deny their effectiveness and their amazingness, honestly. So, um, you know, if you're talking about the elderly, yes, there are people out there who are depending on everyone else being healthy because maybe they're undergoing chemotherapy. If you're talking about children, yes, 
not only the children who are medically immunocompromised, but the kids that are too young to be vaccinated, you know, the, the baby that is nine months old that isn't old enough yet to get their MMR vaccine. They are depending on everyone else around them being healthy. My kids that go to school are depending on everyone else in that classroom to be healthy so that they don't have to risk being exposed to diseases that we have vaccines for. So uh, this is not an issue, even though we mostly talk about children, this is definitely an issue that affects everyone. Right. So we can think about the, the, the first line, the people who are most vulnerable, and then there are people who are supporting those people behind them who are the next most vulnerable, and not just physically, but uh, responsibility-wise. So especially in a state where we have the most minimum wage workers in the nation, we, we have the, the highest number of lowest paid people, hooray, Texas. And so these folks typically don't get sick time. I mean, in Austin, as long as the state legislature doesn't stick their foot in again, uh, the, the average people don't get even PTO to, to take some time off and take care of their sick kids. So it, they end up sending sick kids to school or to daycare, or if they're lucky, maybe to some extended family member's house or uh, to, to any... Just name it. They could. This is actually one of Lacey's favorite things to talk about Lacey. is the money. Let me <laughs> so I'll let, let Lacey talk about it. Because, talk okay. about it. This um, is this really is, this is a painful thing, and and just tell us more. Um, I I do like to talk about the money because um, although I think everyone should vaccinate because we're humans and we all should take care of each other, but that doesn't really um, get anywhere with a lot of people. But there are huge financial impacts on our state in employment, missed days, in school absences because of the way we do our state funding of education. If kids are absent, then it's costing the public. This is, this is, um, these costs for not vaccinating are borne by the people of Texas, all people of Texas. Um, and so I find the dollars arguments seem to be more persuasive to a lot of people who otherwise don't see that how this really impacts them. Right. And just a reminder, Everybody, uh, unless they're homeless, everyone living someplace, renters included, pay property tax and, and sales tax. That's and right. But these and these taxes are going to education, and when, like you said, so I'm just, I, I just feel like these are all the drums. We have a whole kit of drums we can beat on in the vaccination band, and this is this is one of them. That I feel is this is like the base, right? And this is important. Well, and I think um, hearing it's hard in Texas, we um, unfortunately every year during flu season, we get to kind of see the impacts of these because we have school districts every single year during flu season that close completely down. Um, Are you multiple serious? school districts every it's usually they're small ones, but we have schools that close. Last year there was a school in Austin that closed for a day for decontamination due to so many absences. That was a so high school, right? It was a middle high school, school, a middle school, oh, middle in school Austin. Sorry. But um, for example, a number I do have because this is not something that's widely tracked, but in Abilene ISD, um, the first quarter of last year, they were a million dollars under budget for just the quarter based on the number of a huge number of absences, and a lot of those were due to flu. This is entirely preventable. I know at my own elementary school, uh, two years ago, the flu was so bad that there were so many uh, kindergartners missing, they ended up having to consolidate classes because uh, not only were the kids absent, but some of the teachers were because they got sick. 
And that's just my own personal experience. But we know that this happens all over the state. And it happens here in Central Texas. We've had school districts close. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a regular every year thing. And that's yeah. a big Y'all big listening punch. are glad it's not a show because oh, it's just my jaw dropped. My eyes are wide. This is happening here in Central Texas where everyone likes to boast about the great access to medical care and the number of physicians we have, the amount of primary care, the number of uh, safety net clinics. And I'm thinking about or imagining those smaller districts and places out. I, I love to cite Loving County, you know, or one of the other places where it's there's not much there's not much to do, or you have to go to another county just to see a doctor, or there might not be a minute clinic in your whichever drugstore. So it's it's difficult to imagine that in, in a place of such abundance and, and wealth of information, of resources, of, uh, of care, that we're still encountering this. And do you feel that, next question, <laughs> do you feel that this is uh, related to the high number of uninsured folks in the state of Texas? Who wants, I mean... Do I feel that the... The, the rate of, or the, the low rate of vaccinations or and or these... School I'm not sure if it's about people who are underinsured or uninsured. I, I, I feel um, actually pretty strongly that there's a lot of uh, misinformation going around that sometimes these outbreaks are due to illegal immigrants, for instance. I want to slap somebody. Right? And that is actually not true. Right. Other countries in Central and South America have better vaccination rates that we, than we do here in Texas. The honest answer from my point of view and what the research shows is that our sort of increase in vaccine preventable diseases is coming from U.S. citizens who are generally wealthy and uh, oftentimes educated with a college degree who are choosing to not vaccinate their children. So they, they think that they mastered in, in pre-med when they were actually mastering in something else and then with that information, decided that they... I have, seen, I have seen people comment that because they have a degree in English, they should be able to understand medical journal articles. Just the same way that a scientist who spent 10 years in a lab would understand it, or a doctor who has spent 15 years studying that disease would understand it. That is so insulting. And so that just trivializes all the years of, uh, of work that go into all of this for so many professionals, whether it's Dunning-Kruger at its best. I mean, that's, you're talking about people who highly overestimate. Uh, it's not to say that they aren't smart people, although they're maybe, dumb about maybe I do <laughs> feel that way, but it's, it's about expertise, right? So I, I even myself, I, I run Immunize Texas, but I am not an epidemiologist. I am not a medical doctor. I am a concerned citizen who believes in science. But you believe them when they say things to you, which yes. is another... Yes. That's, that's a different kind of smart... And it's such a strange situation where people feel that science... And it's, it's honestly not just vaccinations, although that's what we're here talking about, but people feel that science is this subject where you don't need this expertise, whereas they wouldn't fix their own car. They would go to a mechanic. They wouldn't try to you know, fix their own pipes, they would hire a plumber. But when it comes to cells, uh, tissues, <laughs> um, bodies, disease, 
all those things, they think that they know better. Yeah. So that's insulting, not just to the professionals, but to all of us whom they take advantage of. I feel that all of these folks who are choosing not to immunize are taking advantage of the herd, taking advantage of everyone who can employ some good information and make a decision based in science, in reality, in evidence-based medicine, in the best research of the past 100 years, the sum of the best research, the products of the best research, which is greater than all the individual parts, and then decide to just throw throw it away and, and disregard all of that information. I, and, and actually, that goes back to what you were saying. I don't think there will ever be a, a time where we don't need a group like Immunize Texas because we're sort of in this situation because vaccines have been so effective that people don't realize how serious these diseases are. They've never seen it firsthand or they haven't known someone that died from measles or, you know, seen a child go deaf from rubella. You know, they are benefiting from the science and then turning around and denying it. Well, and it's a lot of parents who are vaccinated themselves denying this to their own children, which is like the height of... I don't know what you call it, but hypocrisy. (laughs) Yeah, that is. It's the height of hypocrisy. I love some good alliteration, but they really are because all these things that they say that vaccines would do, if that was true, then we, we'd all be jacked. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I just, just letting them know. And and if you have comments or questions about the content here, you're free to email Katie at coop.org. I will respond to you in due course. So I, I'm, I'm appreciative and uh, glad that you're listening to us today. Uh, my guests are Ginny and Lacey from Immunize Texas. They are working to make this a, a safer place for all people, and I appreciate their efforts. You can find them online, on Facebook, on the Twitters, on wherever that you go to spend your online time, you can find Immunize Texas represented. And I can... Only suggest that if you want to learn more about them, that it is easy to open a tab and check it out while you are listening to this. You can make it an interactive conversation. You can open a third tab since you're listening at koop.org and click the Donate Now button if you want to become a member before the membership drive. It's, it's really easy. All of this stuff is really easy. We're going to take a quick break and then be right back in uh, one minute with more Issues for Your Tissues more vaccination information, and uh, more evidence-based radio. Welcome back to Issues for Your Tissues. I'm your host, Katie Vitale. I'm here in the studio with Jenny and Lacey from Immunize Texas. They're so kind to join today to tell us more about the state of immunizations in the state of Texas. It's really important since we're starting the school year, everyone's going back to school, they're getting into their routines again, they're hopefully going to get their, their shots as and when needed. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the, the state of exemptions in Texas? I know that, and this is probably going to go all over the place, we had a, an eventful or uneventful, might you say, a session this year. So it was eventful, I think, in that there were some, I would say, crazed. I don't even want to say, I'm not going to say crazy. I'm not trying to diagnose a- anyone and... I, I don't want to um, make light of mental health issues, but these some of the legislation that was filed against vaccinations, against science, against public health, and against 
vulnerable populations it was too much too much to bear and I'm glad about the work that you did and I was wondering if you could tell listeners a little bit about some of the bills like maybe your your favorite unfavorites or your favorites sure oh sure um, let me give a little background, too, yes. just to give you an idea of why this past session was uh, such an important one. So, first of all, we didn't have a vaccine exemption in Texas until 2003. And in that year, we had less than 2,400 filed in the entire state. And this last school year, we had over 64,000. So that's the increase we're talking about. We've also had the um, highest number of cases of measles in the United States since 1992 at this point, And we're not even done with our third quarter of the year. Uh, well, I guess now we are, but we're waiting for those numbers. Um, I'm sorry, no, we haven't finished their quarter. I'm confused about the calendar. Um, and then there were some other things that happened during session which were just uh, entertaining, we'll say. Um, we had a page on the House floor that had a case of whooping cough. Uh, we had a number of legislators that had um, either immunocompromised people working in the offices or small babies in the offices, and they were putting up signs to tell people, if you're sick, please wait in the hallway. We will meet some, we'll have someone meet you in the hallway. And um, the anti-vax group fighting about that kind of stuff. Uh, there what, were, how are you going to fight? I mean, hold on just a second. So oh, they, they are pro-disease. Are we pro, going down this rabbit hole? Yes, pro-transmission <laughs> of disease. But when people are- uh, they they often repeat this myth that you can't pass on something you don't have. So uh, it just it's a total lack of understanding of disease. So if you're not actively coughing or sniffling, then apparently you are 100% healthy. So they take issue with people trying to protect their their babies and their. Oh, Katie, are you are you okay? <laughs> I'm verklempt. I'm thinking I of know. The, you know those uh, those old drawings of cells and the homunculi and yeah, all that junk from yeah. the 1600s and Van Leeuwenhoek and his his little the theory of disease and spontaneous generation. I'm thinking about all of that that antiquated. That's not even a good word. Asinine. That I mean, they didn't have science, and that's the stuff they thought. So. Okay, st- okay. So, um, and then just in terms of politics, some things happened this past session and right before session that kind of colored what happened. So right before session started, we caught wind of the fact that the anti-vaxxers were organizing to basically go after daycares and try to force daycares into accepting vaccine exemptions. And at, at one point they were talking about filing a class action lawsuit. They later took that back. So if you're going to ask me what was, what, what was one of the bills that I was really a fan of, it was the, the bills related to daycares. We had a couple legislators who took it upon themselves to try and not even really add new rights, but just clarify the laws so that daycare owners across our state would know, oh, these are my rights. I'm allowed to have a vaccine policy requiring everyone to be up to date. I'm allowed to have... Uh, basically provide a vaccination rate if a new parent asks for it. Uh, Because the anti-vaxxers were telling these daycares, number one, you are required to take an exemption, which is not true. And then number two, they were telling them, oh, you are not allowed to tell people, even just a percentage, like 95% of our kids are vaccinated. They were telling them, if you say that, you're violating my medical privacy which is, again, not true. So That's not how HIPAA works. These are the same idiots who are, I'm sorry, who are like promoting CPCs in a lot of the cases. I'm not going to say all of them are anti-choice, but I'm going to say that there is a Venn diagram with large overlap that includes vaccine 
I don't even want to say choice, vaccine, anti-vaxxers and anti-choicers. And they would say that all of the things that they're doing, especially in CPCs, aren't violating HIPAA regulations, which in fact they are, but this is, and it doesn't have any names or anything attached to it. This is absurd. And aren't those things available online? No. No. Well, especially not for daycares. Uh, We don't have very good data on that. And then I'd say the third bill that we really tried again this this session to pass was what we call the parents' right to know bill, which I think I talked about last time I was on your mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. And all we're looking for is um, data. We want public schools to publish for either campuses, not for the entire district, which is what's currently published, mm-hmm. but for the individual school campuses, the vaccination exemption rate. That's really important because there can be large variances right between the different campuses Lacey did you want to you have some information on that well most school districts have um one or two a few schools a handful of schools with way high you know abnormally high exemption rates and the rest of the schools don't and so when you see a district-wide rate especially in a city like Austin where you have hundreds of schools that does not tell you anything about the safety of your own school and and getting access to the information is very much dependent on the school district and it's a whole, it, it shouldn't be this complicated. The state already collects the data. It's there. And it's just basic government transparency of we want to know what, what, what it says. Right, because in practice, there is a huge difference between a, like even a 95 and a 90% coverage rate, right? I mean, that, that's, that's a big difference. And again, we're, we're, ta- we're, we're representing lots of different people with lots of different situations. So I know for myself, I don't have a medically compromised, you know, compromised child, but I had that situation where I enrolled my son in kindergarten when I had a newborn at home. So that was a situation where it was important to me. But we also have members with children who have heart transplants or have undergone chemotherapy. And so we're talking about life or death for them. And it's, it's infuriating to us that they can't get access to this basic information. We don't want to know kids' names. We don't want to know anything about them other than, is this a healthy campus for my child? And the fact that it's not available yet, and in a lot of cases, as Lacey mentioned, it's not easy to get. Even even when you file the paperwork, you file what's called an open records request, it is not always going to be answered. And there's really nothing you can do to force the, the school district to release that information. So we were really hoping we could push through the, the bill and make it into law where this would be you know mandated that this information would be provided, but it didn't happen. So I know that we know about some specific schools, but I guess a lot of those would be charter schools that don't have a whole district. So when a charter school reports, we know what that school is doing or not doing, right? And that's one of the biggest issues with parents' right to know is the fact that in Texas, public school parents in districts with multiple schools cannot have access to data, but charter schools and private schools do provide district-level or campus-level information because they're mostly only one or two campuses. So it's a huge disparity in access to basic information to make decisions for your family, which are these things that are supposedly highly valued by people on the, you know, who, who may disagree, but they, when it comes to the majority who, who do vaccinate and who do want access to this information, it's, it's a different, different story. It hurts to roll my eyes this hard at this, at this, uh, again, this can I just say hypocrisy that that the kids that do are paying or whose parents are paying for 
this private education or charter school education are getting better information and irony that those are parents are more likely to get exemptions for no good reason like this is uh this is painful this is really painful to me to hear i mean i and this is so important like you said jenny so many families have more than one child right i don't know the number but if you have one you're you're likely to have another one the average uh, household size in in austin area for a family Oh my gosh, I forget what it was. I don't know, 2.3. And that includes families with single moms and single dads. So you got to figure there's there's like a couple kids in there for most of these families. And they're not all the same age. Like, you're not all multiples. So you've got kids that have been able to be vaccinated. Like, this is so important. Like you were talking about, and then uh, kids in the family who haven't who are like under a year of age and not able to get their MMR or any which any there's so many things that that could happen and can be passed around whether or not I'm still thinking about those people <laughs> who think that disease is only um only symptomatic that there's no such thing as asymptomatic disease and I I yes. uh or that you can be infectious before you show symptoms yeah, I, I hope that those people aren't walking around with chlamydia. <laughs> or uh, do I? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not going to judge. I'm, I'm going to say that I hope they're not because they we transmitted a lot. But yeah, Texas has Texas loves disease. What is going on? I, I can't say. I have been doing this a long time, and part of the problem is that in the end there's no real – coherent argument it's just a lot of cobbled together arguments and so you know it's really hard to pin down what's going on from an anti-vaxxers point of view I get asked that a lot and I I still haven't come up with like a great you know one sentence answer because they will pull from anything to to justify what they're doing um and I do, I do think what Lacey said earlier is true. I don't think that they really care about other people. I, I think sort of going at it saying, oh, you should do this because you want to protect your community. The people who are vaccinating, you're preaching to the choir. They are doing the right thing. Um, if you're talking about trying to convert somebody, it's not going to work because in the end, uh, for various reasons, they either minimize the threat or they don't care. So, um, or both. Or both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you were asking about other bills the ones that were out there, oh, yeah. let's the ones get, on the other side. Let's get back um, to the, to the let's disease. Let's see, what list. is my favorite one from the other side? I mean, there was a lot of hubbub around uh, this bill filed that would require such extensive studies and testing, some of which can't even really ethically be done, that um, if you required this for every vaccine, you would basically be leading to a situation where no vaccines could be administered in Texas. Which might be their goal. I mean... I think it was just written by a non-public health policy person who did not understand what they were, what the implications were. But the implications were that it would eliminate vaccination in Texas, at least for a period of time, because these are not real criteria that... Like, you can't, you can't have a study that proves a, an absence of a connection. That's, yeah, that's, that's not how science works. That's not how it is. So works. to mandate that all vaccines have scientific proof that they don't cause cancer... 
or they don't cause birth defects. Well, it's, I would say, look at the study. Look at the information collected. It is clear from But you're the, not going to find, you know what I mean? You're not going to find right. that study that has that written in black and white print. Because that's not how science works. That's not how science well, works. Well, then I'll, I'll write the study, and I'll just write, this is, this is not causing cancer, and then show them this. And <laughs> well, then, really, all you need is an English degree. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, you know? I got a degree, and even though I am not a doctor, and... I suggest that if you want medical information that you visit a provider that uh, has been licensed by the state. I I still think that just to look at some of the studies that they do cite, which are methodologically unsound and not based in, in current information and might be 20 or 30 years old and might have already been debunked and might have been by doctors who lost their licenses. And Possibly. Yes. So given all of the, the junk, I'm, gonna say, I'm not even call it junk science, it's just junk that, that they spew forth, I'm, I'm surprised that somebody hadn't just wrote something and said, Vitaly et al., no cancer caused, <laughs> blah, and throw some numbers in a chart and give it to, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to commit fraud, you all, but I am so tempted at times to, to just debunk. And, and even, but here's the thing, even when the stuff is debunked, as so many immunized Texas and vaccine supporters do, they're still, uh, they're still not anti-vaxxers still won't buy it. They're still not going to accept it. Or I haven't, I haven't won anybody over yet with this. Uh, are you kidding me? Well, uh, so we get asked about this a lot, you know, how much time or do we focus on that? And that's why we don't because to convert one person takes hours. I mean, months of talking back and forth. And there are people who do that. And I really respect what they do. It requires an incredible amount of patience Ain't nobody got time for that. But <clears throat> that's not going to fix our over 64,000 vaccine exemptions in the state, right? So Immunized Texas is really focused on the legislation. That's why we go to the Capitol. It's why we focus on bills. What we want is to move the needle forward before we have a giant Disneyland-level outbreak in Texas. Lacey, what were your favorites or unfavorites from the session I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, parents' right to know is my favorite bill just because it's been our baby or the whole entire time. Um, And it's just so ridiculous that it's taken now three tries. Um, And it's something that's not super controversial even among legislators. I mean, it's, it's just a very frustrating situation because the state has information and the state just won't give it to the public, which we, you know, that whole argument is frustrating. Um, you know, the, the bills on the other side were, I mean, I, I, I don't even know the, the one that punished medical providers. Oh, yes. Maybe that one. Yes. Um, the, the biggest, I think the biggest thing that the thing that got a lot of attention, especially from the medical community and from healthcare providers in general is the bill that would remove all, um, Medicaid funding from physicians who have a vac- and no vaccination or no non-medical vaccine policy for their practice. So you could have a transplant surgeon or an oncologist 
who might have a policy normally that would say, you know, we don't allow non-medical exemptions. It's a, because the reason practices have these policies is to protect their patients. Even though anti-vaxxers make it about them, it's it's really not. Um, but this bill would, if, if anyone had a policy like that, then they would remove Medicaid funding, which would not only hurt all of the people on Medicaid that would lose access to their providers, but would basically make it where physicians could not have this policy because most a lot of seriously ill children in Texas who need these specialists are on Medicaid as well. So that's another, um, the, the other frustrating thing with a lot of the anti-vax bills is Texas is a very pro-business state and the things they want to legislate are things like private relationships between physicians and their patients and daycare providers who are independent businesses who are not in any way funded by the state. Um, and it's like this, this argument that, we're we're trying to make the arguments in line with what's um, the norm in Texas, and it's still so hard. Like, I, I felt really lucky in that I found a daycare where they required everyone to have uh, vaccinations, and I thought that all daycares would do that since they're dealing with the some of the most vulnerable in our entire community, right? Well, and if I can bring up one of the greatest successes this year was a not a bill, but it was a budget amendment um, by one of our new representatives, Representative Beckley, that would at least require the state to monitor the level of immunization, to do a study and look at the monitor, to monitor the level of vaccination status at daycares in Texas, because the state has not done so in more than five years since the original statute or bill, whatever required it, ended. So we have no accurate data on daycare what the levels are in daycares. We have no accurate data for anything below school level in Texas because no one has researched it. So now it was put in the budget and it was, it made it through. So there will be a, you know, information coming out in the next year or whatever that will tell us, we have no idea how Texas is doing in daycares because nobody's checking. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm, uh, I'm dumbfounded. Uh, again, every time I, every time you're here, I feel like I've been hit upside the head with an anti-science stick or something. Like this is this is happening in our state, in our community. Could be next door. You don't know where it is. Nowadays, I'm looking around at people and like, did you get vaccinated? Did you get your flu shot? Was it you? Just like after Trump was elected, I'm like, fifty-three percent of white women. What was it? Her? <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it you? Did you do this? I don't know. There is a positive, though. I mean, uh, yes, these numbers, these bills, sure, it can get you down. And I, I have had, I've had those days. But I'm seeing more and more people who are taking this up as a, as a cause. You know, there are more and more people that are just fed up. I, I think it stems from just a basic backlash against all the anti-science stuff that's been going on. And for a lot of people, when you get to this level of vaccine exemptions and you are starting to see measles come back, I mean, we had, we had a week during session where there were seven cases reported across the state all in one week. And it was really wild because they weren't all in one city. They were all over. And I think that really was a wake-up call for a lot of people. You know, everything is theoretical until it's reality, right? So um, I had a lot of families that contacted me when that was going on and they were freaking out that measles was going to come back that we were going to be like minnesota or new york and have hundreds of cases within a month or congo i mean at this rate with the exemptions growing as they have it's not linear this is this is exponential at this point 
Well, and another a good a positive that immunized Texas to our approach and to the way that we are focused on grassroots and community members is that people are realizing finally, and there's been a shift in realizing this is not something that the scientific community and the medical community can be responsible for because they can say whatever they want, but it's, but people showing up at their legislator's office, people calling, doing those sorts of things, those do have an impact. And, it, we, you know, it's very different. We need people who live in that town to call their person. And those sorts of connections, that stuff is much more powerful. And you, we can't, and people are realizing they can't rely on these institutions to take care of this because the institutions have not been able to do it. Yeah, and I, and I also would say um, social media companies are starting to step up. Pinterest, love, oh, love Pinterest. Yes. They are they are like at the forefront of fighting against anti vaxxers. Um, but a lot, I mean, a lot of them are taking steps. Some Even small, Facebook some big. Now. Even Facebook, I, I think they're still working it out, sort of the details. But I'm glad that they're finally doing something because I will say that historically, and it still continues today. Anti-vaxxers are better at social media. Uh, it's the one thing I will give them. They have the time, they have the passion, and they have the people who are uh, just sitting at home waiting for basically directions from their their leader to go out and post on Facebook, post on Twitter, harass people. I mean, um, and I think media outside of social media is starting to really take an interest. I am getting a lot more interview requests, and really um, thoughtful pieces about things like harassment of parents who've lost children by anti-vaxxers or the, um, the infiltrating the anti-vax groups and looking at how they operate. You know, I, I think that there's a savviness there and a real recognition of the problem that didn't exist even five years ago. Right. I want to remind listeners, first, you're, you're a great person, Secondly, you're, you're listening to Issues for Your Tissues. My guests today, Lacey and Jenny, are with Immunize Texas. You can find them on Facebook or Twitter or their webpage or the internets all over the place. They, they are there to help you, to help all of us, to help create a safer place for all Texans and really for the world. I mean, we're not living in, uh, you know, two centuries ago. We have airports and we have these planes that take us around, and even if people don't believe in the science that shows that vaccinations are important and should be mandatory for all that are not immunocompromised, that uh, they can't pick and choose their science. So I think that if, if you're one of those folks who doesn't believe in, believe, I'm using derisive air quotes, in vaccinations, like you don't have to believe in it, they're there, so your belief doesn't mean anything, but if you don't want to vaccinate, you shouldn't get on a plane. I don't think you should benefit from anything. You should throw your computer in a ditch or give it to someone who believes in some science because the same science that made that work has, is making vaccines work for the rest of us and you don't get to benefit from one thing while decrying the other. It's, again... The- it's actually a running joke, the number of people that are anti-vax and talk about natural living that wear glasses. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Or I, I just, I, oh my gosh. Okay, so let me get back on track because this is all just blowing my mind the whole hour. I'm I'm just gonna feel feel the shock and and the awe.
but we were talking about this session and all the good work you did to prevent the awful bills from going forward. But can we talk for just just a few seconds about the witchcraft, the the witchcraft of all things? Of, okay, I'm glad that Stickland has said that he's not going to run anymore, which is good because uh, maybe he saw the writing on the wall and he knows he wouldn't win again. So uh, let's just can, can you tell us about it? Can you tell listeners who weren't weren't uh, paying enough attention during the session about about this? You're talking about the sorcery comment. Yes. Um. Gosh, what was the background? It was uh, he was in a Twitter fight. Was it with? I can't remember who I, it was I with. He, tw- he fights with a lot of people, people on, on Twitter. Twitter. And um, for night. those that don't know, uh, he is now retired, but he was a representative from a small town in Texas called Bedford. Um, <clears throat> and he is probably one of the most outspoken people in the Texas House, and has a reputation of. Sort of rabble rousing, I guess. Um, I would say of being violently anti-science on all fronts. Potato, potato, sure. Yes. I mean, <laughs> both, both of the, yes. Uh, those, are, those are very often the same. So, uh, oh, I remember now. He was going at it with Dr. Hotez, who is a tropical diseases specialist um, from Houston. And uh, he was attacking, I mean, it was a lot of the anti-vaccine tropes. He was telling he was saying on Twitter that Dr. Hotez was a big pharma shill and all these other kinds of accusations and then um, made this comment about vaccines being sorcery. I mean, it was, it was really out there, and uh, we, we wanted to poke some fun at that, so we made stickers that said vaccines are not sorcery and um, passed them out, uh, sort of a limited edition run. But... You know, it's one of those moments where when you hear that kind of comment, you think to yourself, is this real life? I don't even know anymore. I don't know what's going on. Is it 2019? I felt like it was. Uh, it took me back to 1619, it was, to be honest. It was a strange moment. And then um, people obviously made fun of him on Twitter and elsewhere, and he tried to sort of walk it back. But it was out there. He said it. He, he made the comparison. Um, and you you see that a lot, actually. I... I, I I don't know why anyone believes these kinds of people. Uh, you know, the anti-vax doctors, the anti-vax legislators. Like, I don't know why anyone would have any faith in them when they say things like that, and yet people do. Um, I, I mean, this is not a psychology show, but... It very well <clears throat> may be. It might. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I was actually going to talk a little bit about what you said, you know, we do have to recognize that this is an international problem. Yes. I mean, obviously, I'm focused on Texas, but you know, a lot of our cases lately of measles are from people Airports. visiting from places like the Philippines. Uh, we have a case in California, kind of a scary flashback, real-life moment. Another person at uh, Disneyland had an active case of measles in the last month, and they were visiting from New Zealand. So it's not always third-world countries. It's not always underdeveloped countries. We're talking about global issues from vaccine hesitancy and denialism uh, all across Europe, uh, parts of Asia. I mean, it's, it's, there's not really a part of this world that I can think of that isn't being touched by this right now. Even the islands. Oh, I forget which one. This cruise ship tried to go down to the islands, and uh, I think it was... Scientologists, the, the irony of it, again, the irony of a boat of Scientologists not being immunized, having measles infections on the boat, and then trying to 
uh, port in in a place where they require or these are mandatory. There are no exemptions for these vaccines. And I, I thought that that was delicious, though I hated that these diseases were still being transmitted around, even if it's Scientologists, uh, but that they, they weren't allowed to disembark from their ship. I think that if it's not planes, it's boats, trains, wherever, right? We're connected in a big way. Do you know the story of how uh, the measles got from New York to Michigan? No. It's, it's a short story, but uh, it, there was, you know, the, the outbreak in New York is pretty much primarily in the Jewish community. And there was a gentleman who actually thought he had already had measles as a child. So he thought he was immune. And maybe he did have measles as a child, but he actually contracted measles again as an adult. And he was uh, fundraising. So he drove overnight from New York to Michigan. And he was <clears throat> he was actually staying at people's houses. So he was staying with various families in the Michigan, Detroit area. And he went to a clinic when he started to show symptoms, but they had not seen measles, so they didn't know what it was. And they sent him home and said, you know, just just keep us up to date. But then the doctor there, uh, I might be mix, mixing up some of the details, but the doctor, one of the doctors he saw went home and was thinking about it, and really I think it's, it sort of bothered him. And then he realized, wait a minute, what if, what if this is measles? But then he couldn't find him because he didn't know where he was staying because this gentleman was staying in different people's homes. So it took a while to track him down. And once he found him and he told him that, you know, I think you have measles and they tested him and it came back positive. And this poor man, uh, at least what was described in the media is that when he was told, I mean, his, he felt incredibly guilty. He just kind of crumpled because it hit him how many children and how many individuals he had exposed to this disease because he had been traveling from home to home. So this is a story of not some anti-vaxxer that, you know, did something irresponsible. It's just unfortunately a sad story, but an example of how our world today, you, you know, you are exposed to people from all over. And um, it's why we need our communities to be protected and why we need more people to really take this seriously. I just want to remind folks that you're tuned into Issues for Your Tissues because you are among the greatest alive today. And you're listening to me, your host, and my guests, Jenny and Lacey from Immunize Texas. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and be right back in less than a minute, no, one minute, with more information on Immunize Texas vaccinations in Texas and everything related. I'm your host, Katie. I'm here with Jenny and Lacey from Immunize Texas. We've been talking all about vaccinations in Texas, and she was talking about the trans or this uh, spread of the measles between New York and Michigan. Uh, and I just wanted to remind you all that if you're not immunocompromised and you don't know if you've had your had the measles or if you got all your vaccinations as a child, that you are you can contact your doctor, but I will say that I went and just got another measles shot because it was so much easier than going to the doctor, getting a blood draw, having the titer tested for the antibodies, and then going to get the shot. You can get the shot. It won't hurt you. But again, I, I do advise that if you have any other things going on, or even if you don't, that you can talk to your healthcare professional and make sure it's a, a licensed medical professional, not one of these uh, anti-vax folks, and they can they can uh, give you all the advice that you need. But it is possible to get your shot again, even without doing the titer. You will likely live, and that's that is that is as far as I can go. 
But believe me, if you want to hear more, you can email katie at coop.org. I, I know that we just have a, um, a minute left, and I want to make sure that we, we can't, there's no way to talk about everything that you're doing because you're all over the place and doing so much stuff to help the health of Texans all over and really all the citizens of the world. Uh, but what else do listeners need to know about Immunize Texas, about Ginny, before you go? Um, that they should get involved. If this is something that speaks to them, you know, it, it takes a village, as they say, and we we have people that engage in various ways. So even if you're not someone that can come to the Capitol, we have a place for you. So come check us out on Facebook. Uh, message me. Uh, we can You can message me through the website. If you are so interested, you may message or visit Facebook. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, yeah, Facebook and um Anywhere, anywhere, really. Like you said, we're all over the internet. So, uh, but we'd love to have more supporters. We'd love to spread our reach and spread the word. So, please join us. And Lacey, uh, anything else that people need to know about before we go? I mean, there's so much. Uh, that's that's really an awful question of me to ask, and I I apologize now after hearing it. There's there's always much more people need to know. I think something that I have to remind myself of a lot, and that other people need to be reminded of, especially the general public, is that the vast majority of people vaccinate them ch- themselves and their children. So it's it's easy to get bogged down in the um, anti-vax combating these things and get drawn into their world. But the reality is, is we are not, they can do, and we don't have time for that basically at this point, but there's a lot of people out there that just don't, just need to be told how this applies to them. And those sorts of conversations that you have with people who, who trust you as your family members or whatever else and making it just, it doesn't have to be a, a, some serious thing, just making it clear that this is something that's important to you, um, asking your play date people you know are all your kids vaccinated those sorts of things are 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 the norm and so we need to make sure that we normalize that vaccination is not controversial it's not there are people that try to make it controversial but we have to do as much as we can as the general public and as parents and grandparents and community members to make it clear that we are the majority and if we put our power together then we can actually make progress on this issue Thank you both so much for being here tonight and sharing more. I can't wait to have you back on. 